All right, this is the portion of the show where we get Frank Mir on the line and we illustrate what a an incredible divide is, there is in between our two lives. Uh, let me explain. Frank, you are where right now on uh, some luxury cruise ship? Where are you? I'm doing the Disney cruise, uh, me and the kids, the wife, and I think right now we're, we're boarded outside of St. St. Martin? Yeah. Yeah, St. Martin. All right. You're you're on St. Martin's Island or something like that, right? Yep. Okay. I am outside the brothel, and there is an angry prostitute uh, leaving in a huff, and she's uh, she's gotten crossways with management, and she's throwing all her worldly possessions very aggressively into the back of her car. So that's happening about five feet away from me. So if you hear some racket on my end, it's the angry prostitute. <laughs> if you hear some racket on Frank's end, it's maybe an angry wife or something or a, an out-of-control kid, right? <laughs> That's the best. That's the, best. That's the worst case scenario. All right, let's talk fights because we got a limited amount of time here before you shove off to your next port of call there. But uh, UFC 225 is uh, in front of us this weekend. It's a big fight card uh, headlined by a rematch for the middleweight title. Uh, Robert Whitaker taking on Yoel Romero. Now, Frank, we saw this fight a year ago. Robert Whitaker uh, took a unanimous decision over Yoel Romero. The course of the fight was pretty cut and dry to me. Uh, I thought Romero won the first two rounds. Whitaker took the last three from there. Whitaker was, uh, had a lot of success defending Yoel Romero's takedowns. And while Romero did go the full five rounds, he seemed like he lost a little bit of steam uh, toward the, the end. And as you and I have covered many times on this show, because he is a, uh, a muscle car with a, a, a big, you know, 10-cylinder engine or whatever they have in those things, uh, he may not be the guy that's always built for five rounds of nonstop cardio. Um, now, while Whitaker has been inactive, though, since that fight, coming back from some injuries, Yoel Romero does have a win over Luke Rockhold, and he finished Rockhold in the third round, so that refutes my point a little bit that, at least in that most recent outing, Romero was able to show that even late into a three-round fight anyway, he had enough juice to, uh, to take Rockhold out of the fight. What are your thoughts on this rematch? Well, I kind of still feel like it kind of favors Whitaker. I, I think the first time they, when they fought each other, I had also had picked Whitaker to win the fight. And uh, I think a lot of the people were just, you know, they're very impressed with Yule's, obviously, his wrestling and his power, which are world-class. He's one of the most powerful punchers, you know, near, you know, he's, he's a very explosive athlete with world-class wrestling background. It's just that, like you said, and we've, we've mentioned more than once, I think the only Achilles heel that, that Yul really has is that he's so high-octane, powerful, explosive athlete. It's hard for him to keep that up for 25 minutes. It's just that, you know, different builds lend to different type of athletic uh, abilities. And he's just not ever going to be a phenomenal endurance athlete. He just doesn't have the, the genetic makeup for it. No matter how hard he tries, he can improve, but he's never going to be, you know, world-class at that aspect of the game. And uh, I think Whitaker is able to keep him busy because he's a smaller, uh, you know, middleweight. 
somebody who moved up from uh, you know uh, welterweight. And so the one thing that Whitaker, you've seen him lately, kind of learn how to do is he slows the pace of fights down, and then waits for his opportunity to strike. Right. Uh, and in three round fights, that that can work. Uh, but the problem is, is that if the guy in front of you doesn't allow you to slow it down and he wants to keep it busy. And I, and I think that that's what Whitaker's probably going to do. If Whitaker allows them to fight at Yol's pace, then I, then I would be picking Yol, you know, and I could tell you probably after the first round or two. Um, but if, uh, if Whitaker's able to stay busy, even losing the first round or two, but force, you know, Yol to, to have to fight him and, and, and be aggressive and to tap into his, uh, you know, energy reserve, then I think we're going to see the same thing again where he starts to fade in the third, fourth, and fifth round. And, you know, it's not a knock on Yule as far as his work ethic. The guy, you know, we're managed by the same team. I don't think I hear them tell me that anybody under the umbrella uh, first-round manager trains harder. Mm-hmm. The guy trains six, seven days a week. It's just, once again, you know, some people can, no matter how hard they go to the gym, are never going to bench press 400 pounds. Some things are just predetermined at birth, and that's the problem that Yule's having. Do engines have 10 cylinders in them sometimes? I'm a little worried. I feel like I stepped out on a – I got outside of my lane trying to talk cars there for a minute. Is there a such thing? You're okay with that, man. Yeah, yeah. I think the Viper is, is as a V10. Okay, that's what I meant. Yeah, he's like a Viper. That's what I was trying to say. Um, yeah, and not great on gas mileage. Exactly. <laughs> See? Great analogy. Further to my point. And now I'm one of those people, Frank, that that I when when you know you're breaking down fights and matchups and things like that. If you've got a a fight to look at where these two have fought before, especially one that goes the distance, not one that you know got finished with a 12 second knockout or something like that and all things are equal, I'm a pretty firm believer that, that more times than not, a lion's share of the time, that has given you a real clear blueprint as to how it may go down again. Do you, in, in, in a general sense, subscribe to that theory when it comes to a rematch? Um, with rematches, yes, a little bit, because then you know, they fight each other. You can kind of see what's going on. And I agree with you 100% on that. They've gone five rounds. Yeah. People only improve so much. And the the weakness that Wells showed in that fight uh, wasn't a strategic one as much as it just is. Again, he's never going to be an athlete that throws, you know, he's not a Cain Velasquez. Yeah. He just doesn't have that genetic makeup. You know, Cain might not ever have the one-punch knockout power of Wells. You know, it's just that different, you know, attributes that each athlete has. And so I don't know how UL is going to ever try to fix that, except for, you know, how he has where he slows the fight down. So either he has to catch Whitaker early or slow Whitaker into a point to where Whitaker fights at his pace. And I don't think anybody in Whitaker's camp would ever be crazy enough or foolish enough to sit there and go, okay, you're fighting a guy who's 40 years old, who's explosive as all hell, we better stay busy. Let's let's draw this guy out into deep waters. Yeah. We can't play a sniper match with him. Um, and so I think that really the ball's in, in Whitaker's court to decide how that fight goes. Cause, you know, even if the guy in front of you wants to slow it down, it's always the other guy's choice whether you want to speed it up again. It's almost impossible to slow a guy down unless he makes that decision to slow down. Yeah, I think the and the, maybe the one question mark going into all this uh, since their last fight is uh, Whitaker's time off. You know, we haven't seen him back in. 
assume he's completely recovered from injury and that kind of thing. We have seen Romero give a very impressive outing and an improved outing, really, if you will, uh, against uh, Luke Rockholt. I mean, you know, uh, not only going to the third round with him, but getting the finish. So, I mean, I guess you can take that sort of thing into consideration, but probably only Robert Whitaker knows if he's 100% coming into this fight or not. Yeah, I mean, with the knee injury, I mean, and I believe that's what Whitaker's coming off yeah. of. Those are pretty, I mean, it's either fixed or it's not. He's going to know okay. that in the camp. It isn't yeah. like it's one of those things where, you know, uh, some hand injuries. Because you never really hit anybody with a four-ounce glove full blast except for in the fights. Yeah. So sometimes hand injuries, you can kind of question, well, you know, with a 12-hour with a 16-ounce glove on and sparring, it feels fine hitting pads with my four ounce gloves on or working on the bag. It feels fine. What's it going to feel like in the real fight? Whereas the knee, that's one of those things where it's like, can you move? Are you mobile? Yeah, you're fine. It's not going to be any more rigorous or less rigorous than the fight on the knee. In the co-main event, we have the first of two titles that are being contested uh, on this uh, pay-per-view. This for the interim welterweight title number one ranked Rafael dos anjos taking on number four ranked colby chaos covington now dos anjos is undefeated since moving up to welterweight three and O with wins over uh most recently robbie lawler then going back to neil magny and Tarek safadine uh covington for his part 13 and one, a guy that uh, has really been surging in the uh, in the UFC. You have to go back to uh, 2015 to find his lone loss against Warley Alves. So, um, I guess thoughts on this fight, and then maybe also thoughts, Frank, on the backdrop of Colby Covington trying to be his own uh, uh, best promoter and do the whole uh, pro wrestling heel thing when it comes to the the fine people of Brazil and uh, uh, disparaging them. It seems like they're always up for taking the bait on uh, the, some uh, some xenophobic trash talk. No, you're right on that one. I mean, they're one of the easier groups uh, nationally to, uh, you know, to, to rile up, you know, uh, Brazilians. And so, uh, you know, Colby wants to get attention. And, and, you know, hey, people, as long as they, uh, they want to see you, whether they want to see you win or want to see you get your ass kicked, and they want to watch, that's always going to be a plus for your career. Now, about half of uh, Covington's wins have come by decision. And, you know, once somebody gets up into that 14-fight category, if about 50% of, uh, of, of your wins, your fights, have been by decision, to me that's, that's a definite trend that you can look at. So you start to look at, you know, okay, how does – Dos Anjos do uh, by decision, but he's got 14 decision wins himself. Half of his wins have come by decision. So uh, you you couple that with uh, you know the the chances of seeing some wrestling on display in this fight. This is uh, Dos Anjos is favored in this fight, but this feels like one of those fights that uh, may take us five rounds to a to a decision. Yeah, Dos Anjos is you know still excellent wrestling, you know, one yeah. of those things he's able to always put guys down on the back. Uh, you know, when he was at uh, lightweight, he actually had the record, I think for the most takedowns yep. or he was up there. It was some impressive thing that I remember when I first heard it, I was like, wow, I never realized that he was that proficient at 
putting guys down. But, you know, but Covington is actually a really good wrestler on top of that. Yep. Um, you know, he himself comes from a Division One background. So it should be interesting. And, and, and is that going to, you know, nullify Dosanius' takedown abilities and make this really just a stand-up battle? Yep, agreed. Uh, also on the uh, main card in the feature attraction is going to be a women's featherweight fight between Holly Holm and finally, Frank, Megan Anderson, the Australian, uh, will be turning up in the UFC after being rumored as a potential opponent for Cyborg Santos uh, for quite a while now. She's actually going to face Holly Holm in her UFC debut, and uh, this is this is going to be an interesting fight from my perspective because, uh, you know, with, with Holm, we've got a former UFC bantamweight champion who has already tested the waters moving up to featherweight, and in Anderson, we have we have a, a big woman. I mean, a tall, lanky, rangy opponent who I think a lot of people were, their interest was piqued when uh, Anderson was talked about in terms of fighting Cyborg Santos. I think Anderson is going to be really probably win or lose as long as it's a competitive fight, a very welcome addition to what is at this point, you and I have talked about this as well, still a pretty shallow women's featherweight division that is is still at this point centered on Cyborg Santos and Holly Holm, and then after that, you're you're kind of struggling for marquee names. Yeah, uh, you know, definitely throwing it right into deep water, but but like you're already saying, you know, there's just not a lot. I mean, I don't know how many times you said it, you know, but uh, I just don't think we're ready for a featherweight division in the girls yet. Um, there's just they don't have anything. So hopefully, you know, Megan has a great performance. And realistically, the division needs her to have a win over Holly, mm. which isn't always an easy fight to have a win over. Holly's extremely elusive, great with her footwork. Um, you know, she's a she's always something, buddy. You're gonna have to take uh, very seriously. And, and and people have victories over, but you know, your decisions. You know, that no one can ever really catch her take her out or even really even in victory it's not like uh, i've seen people when they've beaten uh, holly it's not uh the most um epic win uh it's hard to get a hold of her yeah it's hard to do a lot of damage and so uh you know i think megan has a lot of work cut out for her you know especially coming into the ufc for the first fight you know there's always the jitters of when you step up to a new show and then on top of that, you added the fact you fight the very accomplished mixed martial artist. Um, she has a lot to, to try to get through. But if she does, she's with all this set in front of her, as, as difficult as it is, the upside is that immediately, you know, there's no argument for really giving her a title shot, you know, right after the, if she were to pull off a victory over Holly. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, you, all those points you just made, and then you add to it the fact that uh, Anderson's debut is actually something that's been anticipated at this point. You know, it's not even like she's she's coming in as, as somebody that uh, uh, fans really haven't heard the, the name of up to that point because there was some red tape involved in getting her into the organization uh, there's a certain amount of hype that's come along with that in advance. And so that's going to be even even more pressure on her. But I agree with you that uh, she the, the division really would probably do best with, a, with an upset win by Anderson because with home, uh, you, you've got a fighter who can always either, uh, you know, live to fight another day in the featherweight division or possibly go back down to bantamweight. Let's talk about your heavyweight division. 
because this is an interesting fight in the number two slot. Uh, Andre Arlovsky taking on Ty Tuivasa. Now, Ty Tuivasa is his record is seven and zero. All seven wins coming by first round knockout. Uh, he most recently finished uh, Cyril Asker back at UFC 221. It was actually the uh, Romero Rocco card. Uh, two minutes into the first round. He uh, also has a UFC win over Rashad Coulter. Before that, outside the organization, a win over uh, James McSweeney and a few other folks. Now, while he obviously does not have the resume nor the experience level of Andre Orlovsky, 7-1 and one, all first-round knockouts is um, uh, a pretty big head of steam to be bringing into this thing. Orlovsky, for his uh, part, is on a two-fight win streak after he, he got off that five-fight uh, skid that he had before that. Wins over Stefan Struve and Junior Albini. Both of those, though, coming by way of decision. So this is one of those situations, Frank, where you know, you've know you got the legend, you've got a blue-chip up-and-comer, a guy who has broken into the top 15 ranks, and uh, Tui Vasa at number 12. Is taking on Arlovsky at number nine. Basically, Tui Vasa competing for his number 10 spot, a chance to vanquish Arlovsky from those top 10 rankings, and at the same time, putting Tui Vasa in front of, you know, a, a decided jump up in, uh, in competition. What do you think? The old line against the, uh, the, the new recruit? Well, I think Tui Vasa doesn't have a lot of confidence coming into this. I'm watching his last fight. You know, there in Australia, you know, seeing how well he uh, he, he moved around and, and, and his stand up and, and, and his, his, he's loose as a striker. Uh, and I think Andre's going to keep the fight on his feet uh, and not take him down. He obviously doesn't have a physique that makes it easy to take him down. Um, so, you know, my initial thing is I'm actually kind of going with the young guy here. Yeah. The, uh, the only uh, factor that kind of is always going to be the X factor is this is that. We've seen Andre obviously go the distance many, many times, um, where Tuvasi hasn't been. You know, he could respond very well, uh, but I've seen a lot of guys that have had easy success earlier in their career. They're young guys. The first time they struggle, you know, and then get taken into deep waters, it's always going to be a question mark. Are they going to panic or are they going to rise to the occasion? So that's the one factor going into this fight that, you know, if it goes into the second or third round, hopefully we can answer that question on Tuvasa. And uh, you know, and have a better understanding of who he is. Well, and the odds makers have a lot of confidence in him too. They've made Tuivasa the biggest favorite on the main card. Um, kicking off this main card, and this is uh, the fight that I know you're going to go deep on with your analysis. Mike Jackson taking on CM Punk. <laughs> Who's Mike Jackson? <laughs> Well, Mike Jackson is the guy who lost to um, who uh, lost to Mickey Gall for the right to fight CM Punk in CM Punk's debut. So oh, Mickey okay. Mickey Gall beat CM Punk. So now they go to the the guy who was the runner up in the CM Punk sweepstakes. Now Mike Jackson, the interesting thing about him is he is also a part time MMA journalist. And uh, he, I think the last time he fought, he fought his fight and then he got dressed and went out and sat down on media row and covered the rest of the card as a, as a journalist, which is, uh, which would be a dream for me. That sounds like a lot of fun. 
But uh, nonetheless, he's taking on CM Punk here. Uh, CM Punk coming into this fight still um, an underdog, but maybe a little better chance uh, against Jackson than he had against Mickey Gall, who actually is turning out to be a you know looking like a pretty good fighter. You know, it, it just uh, it, it depends. I mean, I really don't know a lot about Mike Jackson, so I really can't give my uh, an honest opinion. You know, uh, I know CM Punk. You know what I've seen. Um, you know, he had a lot of training to catch up on, and, and uh, we'll see if he was able to. Uh, I think you know a guy who just learning jujitsu and, and some of the sports of MMA, fighting Gall in hindsight, who was a brown belt, and pretty proficient in jujitsu on top of already having more experience in MMA, uh, might have been a, a far stretch for him. Uh, maybe the situation with Jackson is a better uh, print-up for him, but uh, it seems like about this is, a, is about entry level as we can possibly get for CM Punk yeah. for the UFC. Uh, if he can't beat Jackson, I'm pretty sure this would probably be the end of this uh, uh, <laughs> situation that was kind that was kind i could tell you i could i could imagine all the words you were fishing for and you decided to go with situation that was like it's um yeah, it didn't help me that the wife in the background was seeing a few of them that i agree yeah right well i'll tell you this if if, if this helps looking at uh mike jackson's record both he and cm punk are zero and one as pro fighters uh, Jackson was uh, choked out by Mickey Gall in 45 seconds, but before that, Mike Jackson had only had one amateur fight, and that amateur fight took place in 2009, and it was a unanimous decision loss. So to me, this feels like, I mean, that's about as close to CM Punk's record as you can get. You know, you take away the one amateur fight and you've got CM Punk. I mean, they both at this point spend How about is, as much uh, time Mike in the Jackson? octagon. Uh, Jackson's age. Jackson is 33. So, you know, he's not like a super young guy or anything like that, six foot two. So, yeah, you know, that, that seems to me on paper about as close as you can get to CM Punk, save, you know, uh, a, a guy who had no amateur experience. I mean, Jackson's got one fight up on him in terms of the amateur level. Yeah. Well, you know, I think this, I mean, the UFC is doing everything they can. I mean, like I said, this is about, uh, I, I can't imagine an easier fight, you know, or a less difficult fight for him uh, at, at welterweight. You know, like, who, who, uh, no one else has that record. So, I mean, if Sam can't pull this one off, um, he's done. This is going to blow your or mind. Or at least, you know, the, arg the argument for him fighting again is like, well, who are you going to get him to fight now? Yeah. Well, this is going to blow your mind. With that fight kicking off the main card, and of course you're going to do it for pay-per-view buys, the featured prelim bout on FS1 is Alistair Overeem and Curtis Blades. You kind of see why they put a marquee fight there because that's the, the big free crescendo to get you to hit the pay-per-view buy button. But get this. On Fight Pass, Rashad Evans, Joseph Benavidez, and Clay Guida are all fighting on Fight Pass. Wow. wow. That's a pretty stacked Fight Pass. Yeah. No, it is. I mean, it's going to be great for Fight Pass subscribers, but, you know, it just kind of shows you that uh, there's there's a lot of marketing strategy that goes into uh, arranging this fight card. And, you know, I get it. I mean, CM Punk translated to a lot of pay-per-view buys for him last time. 
We'll see if uh, we'll see if lightning strikes twice, and and maybe we'll get you know. Hey, you know, hopefully he's he's made improvements. It may be the kind of thing where he may not even have to win, but if he just looks a lot different now, you know, if it just turns into a really competitive fighter, if he does get a win, then maybe what he's been able to build on since the Mickey Gall fight will be enough to you know measure relative expectations i mean it is a crazy thing to do it in the ufc in the biggest show of them all but i think you got to be realistic about what you can hope to see out of him yeah and you know as long as he looks better i think that uh, having the argument finding another guy again it's probably going to be there because like you said i mean coming from the pro wrestling background he sells pay-per-view buys people want to watch and so uh you know, that equals money. As long as they can justify him being in there and he doesn't look silly. Right. Generally, he looked silly against uh, Gaul. He just was overwhelmed by yeah. a guy that who's Much actually a legitimate fighter. Yep. And, you know, who's, you know, and we just saw what it looks like for a guy who knows how to fight versus a guy who's learning how to fight. Yeah, totally agree. Well, this is the part of the show where uh, I have to get back to work and Frank has to get back to vacationing. So I'm going to let you get back to uh, your Disney family. When uh, when are you returning? Uh, the 9th. I'll be back. On Ronan's birthday, we land, and then uh, Jennifer's birthday is the next day. Okay. All right. Very good. Well, thank you. Uh, tell the Mirror family thanks for uh, sharing you for uh, 25 minutes or so so we could get this breakdown of uh, – UFC's uh, pay-per-view, and then uh, we'll look forward to having you back. Tell everybody hi for me. Uh, I will, Rich. Thanks, man.